Father, we just thank you for this awesome day that you've given us. We thank you for your love, your word, your teaching and guiding, your discipleship. And we thank you for all that you have for us today. Thank you, Lord, for using me today to impart your words, your truth, and help it to take root and bear fruit in your people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I didn't really, I didn't prepare a message for today. I was in my office, my treehouse, most of the day, and that's what I was there for, but I just prayed in the Spirit and uh, just fellowship with the Lord, and He reminded me of of something He told me a while back, that... uh, Everything that I will ever need to know in this life regarding the kingdom to be uh, an overcomer and to walk in power and victory and succeed at all the plans that he has for me and to help others to do the same, he showed me in the first year of my salvation. And I began to just challenge him on that. And just jot down thing, and I was like, oh, wow. It's just amazing. Because one of the things that I was reminded of when I was in Colorado recently at the minister's conference with all these amazing men and women of God is, is that there's, there's just nothing... Um, I'll say this correctly. They... I, I can listen to any one of you could stand up and read a scripture that I've read a thousand times and it would add to me. OK, so because the, the word blesses me and it's alive and active and it it's speaking to you right now. It say something today and something else tomorrow to fit your situation. So I'm always blessed by the word, no matter who ministers it. But I'm not I'm not learning new doctrine now. You see, I'm not. It's just a different way of saying it. Maybe to inspire and encourage. And that's always good amongst believers. But the gospel is simple. It's so simple. It's the simplicity that baffles all these people that think that they're so knowledgeable. But the problem is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. You see. Without that. They've missed the boat. And so anyway, I I just thought I'd talk about some of these things today and begin to expound on some of these things over the next little while. Because it truly is about making disciples, not just converts. We're called to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God says, my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge or lack of knowing me, knowing about me, knowing my ways. God was very mysterious in the Old Testament. Everything was in type and shadow, all pointing to Jesus. God's secret was Jesus, and he's been revealed now to us. So all the secrets and mysteries of God are hidden in this word for you. 
not from you. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And what it says in Jeremiah 29, it says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of good and not of evil. Plans to give you hope and a future. But it's a part that we have to play. It's a relationship. And just like any relationship, it takes two. I've been singing this song all day. And I guess that was the message that the Lord was trying to, to give to me. It's an old song. You've probably heard it. But the, the chorus goes, I surrender all. I surrender all to Thee, Lord, my precious Savior. I surrender all. Very simple. And that that is really key to, to moving up in the ranks of God's army. We are in a war, if in case you didn't know it. You're in a spiritual war. And a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that. And just acknowledging that, or not acknowledging that, only assures that they're going to lose. <laughs> it's like your home being invaded, and you thinking if you ignore it, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> That's not going to be the best answer, you know. But... Surrendering our lives, our will, our way, our plans to God is really mandatory for our success as a Christian. We can live a life, we can live a life as a Christian and go to heaven, I believe, without really ever fulfilling the plan that God had for our lives. So there's, there's different levels. I'll say it like that. And I know that everybody really wants in their heart of hearts to, to not only enter into God's plan for their life, the one he wrote in detail, because it's a perfect plan, but to, to succeed, not only to finish the race, but to win at the race. First Peter 5, 5 says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Pride is a number one killer of God's plan for your life. And there's, it's like an onion. There's so many layers of pride. And so as the mirror of God's word reveals these layers, it's up to us to surrender those things. To lay down our crowns, as it were, submit and obey, which is a hard word in our culture. It's so sad. You know, as little children, by the time, you know, remember that book, Everything I Needed to, to, to Know, uh, I Learned in Kindergarten, something like that. Anyway, it was a very, very 
uh, popular book, number one bestseller for many, many seasons, uh, maybe 20 years ago or something like that. But that's true. You know, by the time a child is five years old, they should have already learned about honor, respect, manners, obedience, respect for the law, <laughs> respect for the flag, respect for their parents which is the first command with a promise. All these commandments. And there's one there that says, honor your parents and your life's going to go well and you're going to live a long time. He attached a promise with it. A benefit. Yet, we don't see it that much in this culture anymore. It's not like it used to be. There's... There's, it's, it's not normal to hold the door and to say yes ma'am and no sir and, and just to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. It's not even understood anymore. That's what's so hard is when you're speaking to a young person or even worse when it's an older person who still never got it. And they just don't get those basic concepts. And they're so bitter and angry. The devil has lied to them a lot of it has to do with the broken family in this nation I think over 70% of young black men are raised without a father now that is hard um, I don't know too many people it, it's, it's, it's really bizarre but I had to start with myself but I don't ever get in a room with too many people that where hands will go up where they say they were ever really exposed or raised or by uh, or had someone very close to them who had a godly marriage, a godly home and godly character and all those things in place for them to experience and to be taught by. Hardly ever will a hand go up, a hand now, I realize, you know, maybe if I went down to one of the very well-established uh, Presbyterian churches or something, I might find more that actually were raised into a Christian environment, things like that. But as far as, as, far as uh, evangelicals and those who have really come to the knowledge of the truth and filled with the Holy Ghost and have the power and authority and know who they are in Christ, most of them started out very, very rough in this life. But they're not victims anymore. They thought they were victims. I always thought I was a victim. I had, I have, I have family members that I loved and grew up with, all dead, in and out of prison, drugs, alcohol, anger, fighting. Always the victim, though. Going to prisons and minister. And I listened to the stories, the recidivism rate, the revolving door thing, the ones that come back through, the reason they came back, because it's not their fault. It wasn't their fault the first time, it's not their fault this time. There's some crutch, there's some body lying to them. They believe in the lie of the devil, that they're a victim. And frankly, they could be, they're not responsible for their own lives, their own choices. Yes, some people have it much harder than others. But in Christ, the ground, the playing field is level at the foot of the cross. 
And the power of God, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me now and gives life to this mortal body. And all things pertaining to life, this life and godliness, I have in Christ. Every spiritual blessing has been given to me. All the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. All the curses of God and of the devil have been put away because of Jesus. And I don't have to accept a single bad thing from the devil. And I have the right to claim all of the benefits of God. Amen. But I have to humble myself, set aside my pride, my achievements. There's no boasting for me. Anything good that I have, anything good that I have left of me, I had lots of gifts from God. I threw them all away as fast as I could. But the ones that I have left now, just the ability to stand here before you and speak and to go and work and earn a living and to do anything good comes from Him. And I have to be very, very aware of that and speak it, live it, know it before He can use me. Moses was a great example of that. Turn over to Acts chapter 7. I want to read a little bit about Moses. Anybody like Moses? <laughs> Moses was awesome. Reminds me of uh, most of us. Especially in the first half of his life. Acts chapter 7. This is a speech... By Stephen, who was the first martyr in the church. He, he stood up and he told all these self-righteous religious leaders who had rejected Jesus and killed him. Just not long before he gave this speech. He gave a mighty, mighty sermon here. It's worthy of reflecting on because right when he was finished, they killed him for it. They stoned him to death. He was the first martyr for the church. And at the end, he says he looked up and he saw the Son of God standing at the right hand of the Father. And the last thing we had been told is that he was seated at the right hand of the Father. So it just tells me that this was the first standing ovation from Jesus. So proud of Stephen. Forgiving those who were stoning him to death, just like Jesus did on the cross, forgave those who were killing him. What a great example. Stephen began to tell them about their history. He was trying to prove to them and show to them how they had missed Jesus, how they had missed God, and that they should repent. He talked about Joseph and how he had found favor in the eyes of Pharaoh and he had been good to the people of the Hebrews. and But then he died, this Pharaoh, and a new one came that didn't know Joseph And after Joseph was gone. And he imprisoned the Hebrews and began to treat them poorly. And uh, 
he began to tell the story. So I'm just, I'm circumventing, I'm getting to the point here so that I don't have to read the whole thing. I'll start uh, at the 17th verse of chapter 7 of the book of Acts. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. What this is saying is that the Hebrew nation and slavery there in Egypt had grown and they were prospering and there were prophecies about them and things that were going to come. This new Pharaoh began to be intimidated by this nation and fearful and he demanded that, uh, if you look back in Exodus, you'll see that he demanded that all of the midwives of the Hebrews kill all of the male children and he also made it a law that, uh, I guess in case those midwives didn't or missed some, that, that uh, Egyptian people were supposed to throw any male children of the Hebrews into the Nile. Okay, so they were supposed to kill them to keep their population down and to, to keep some of the things that were prophesied from happening. Um, he dealt truly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their empathy. Uh, verse 20, at this time Moses was born and he was beautiful in God's sight and he was brought up for three months in his father's house and when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. This is uh, Miriam, um, Moses' mother, she kept him for three months and she couldn't conceal him anymore. So she got a, a basket. You may have seen the movie. They put him in a basket. She put pitch and tar on the basket and put him in there and put him in the Nile. And, uh, and that at that time, Pharaoh's daughter was coming down to the river with her servants and they saw the baby. And she sent one to get it and, uh, and uh, they brought it and she said, oh, this is one of those Hebrew children. She felt sorry for Mo- Moses because he was crying. And... Uh, and Moses' sister was watching, and she ran over there, and she said, and she said uh, do you want me to go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse him? And she said, yes. And so she ended up taking, the, taking Moses, her little brother, back home. And her mama nursed him until he was old enough, and then they took him back, and Pharaoh's daughter adopted him. Do you read through the different... Uh, passages that all talk about this. That's what you'll read and find out. And so she raised him up in, in Pharaoh's house. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up in her own, as her own son. Verse 22. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was mighty in his words and deeds. This is important because Moses, uh, he knew who he was. But he was also had great favor with Pharaoh and the family. He had been taught by the most powerful and uh, wealthiest and most knowledgeable nation in the world. And right in the, the top household of that nation, he had been taught everything, how to fight, how to probably taught, uh, you know, book knowledge. Everything was imparted unto him and he was raised up and it says he was mighty in words and deeds. 
when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the Hebrews, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He killed an Egyptian soldier because he was beating one of the Hebrew slaves. He supposed that his brothers would understand what God was giving them salvation by his hand. But they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. So, Moses killed this Egyptian. He took it upon himself to take up for the Hebrews. He was one of them. And here he was, he's like, this is, uh, you know, he had read the prophecies that said that there was going to be a deliverer. And I'm thinking at 40 years old, being mighty in word and deed, as it says here, and, and all of the things that pointed to him as this Savior. He must have said, yeah, it's me, all right. And I think it's time. And they're, man, are they going to love me? When do they get a load of me? And he went and he protected one of them in a, you know, from an Egyptian soldier. And he killed him and buried him in the sand there. <laughs> and then the next day, instead of thanking him, they're like taunting him about it. Who do you think you are? What are you going to do, kill me like you did that Egyptian and so Pharaoh was going to kill Moses. He fled. He went to Midian. And he was still strong and courageous. He went and he, there was these girls watering their, their, their herd by the, the deal. And they were under attack by another, some other herdsmen. And, and Moses single-handedly saved them. It doesn't really list the details of the fight, but there probably was one. He kicked some butt. He was probably a real tough guy. But I'm sure he was really confused right about now. But because he saved those girls, the, their father gave him one of the, the girls to marry, and, and they had two sons. And he, I'm going to read on here. Now, when 40 years had passed, so 40 years go by, and he's in the desert. Now he's 80, okay? When 40 years had passed, an angel approached to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. This would have been the angel of the Lord. This is God himself. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to I have come down to deliver them. You hear that? And now come, I will send you to Egypt. You gotta get that. God said, I came to set them free. I'm gonna send you to Egypt. <laughs> it's a partnership. It's a relationship. But he's the one with all the power, all the authority. 
He's got the stroke. We're nothing. Literally, we are nothing without him. Now, I'd rather you have the attitude, yes, but I'm never without him. He'll never leave me or forsake me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want you to have that attitude. But remember where he brought you from. That way, he'll be able to take you where he wants you to go. Look over to, you got to look in the Old Covenant for this. Exodus chapter uh, 4. Exodus chapter 4. Genesis, Exodus. Chapter 4. I just want to drive this point home today. For a minute. Exodus chapter 4. Then Moses answered. This is when God was talking to him. Telling him what he was going to have him to go and do. And he says. But Moses answered God. He said. But behold. They will not believe me. Or listen to my voice. For they will say. The Lord did not appear to you. Verse 2, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff, a stick. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. (laughs) Good, we know he's a normal guy, right? But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Now, I don't know (laughs) how many of you have had any experience with snakes. I don't like spiders and snakes. But I do know a little something about snakes. And if you're ever going to grab one, I highly recommend you don't grab it by the tail. (laughs) Why? That's right. That's right. (laughs) But God told him, he said, uh, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. And then he told him how he was going to use this as a sign. And then also there was another one he gave him at the time where he stuck his hand in his, in his coat and pulled it out and it was leprous. And he put it back in Anyway, he went through a lot of things like this. But I want to talk about this stick (laughs) for a minute. Because Moses, by this time, a lot of changes had taken place in Moses' life. The first 40 years of Moses' life, he was mighty in words and deeds. That's what the Bible says, right? He was tough. He had been raised up, taught, strengthened. Battle-hardened. And he thought, I'm in my prime. And I'm ready to do what I know God has for me to do. The problem was he didn't wait for God to tell him to do it, did he? Why was Peter able to walk on the water when he got out of the boat that night? Huh? He had a word from God. 
When Jesus said, come, there was more power in that word than would ever been necessary. Had he not said, come, Peter would have sank. Amen? Verse 40, mighty in words and deeds. Everything looked right. Everything seemed right. And the thing that he wanted to do was a good thing. Everything good is not God. Because there's always things we don't understand, you see? I can think of a hundred good things I could walk out of here and do right now. I can't do them all. And God's not calling me to do them all, frankly. Every time I get so busy and frustrated because I'm a busy person. And I'm thankful for that. But every time I get to the point where I'm like, uh, 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 I ain't got time to do all this. I have to go repent. I have to go talk to my God. Because I have to find out what part of it I'm doing that He didn't ask me to do. Because He is always going to give you the time and provision to do everything He asks you to do. Otherwise, He would be unjust, and we know He's not. Moses could have grabbed that snake by the head. I don't know anybody in this world that knows anything about snakes that would have told him anything different if he was going to grab the snake than to grab it by the head. That's what they say. I always hated that. I'll never do it because you got to let them go at some point. And they're always trying to bite you when you do. <laughs> I just don't get it. I, I, so I, therefore, I do not mess with snakes. We got a lot of rattlesnakes out at our, our ranch. I don't mess with them. But if he would have grabbed that snake by the head, he would have been directly in opposition to what God had told him to do, wouldn't he? Because if God meant for him to grab it by the head, he wouldn't say grab it by the tail. He would just say, grab it. In which case, it would have been safe, no matter how he wanted to grab it. But if he would have grabbed it by the head, it would have meant that he got back inside his own head and started to reason God. It would have been the flesh doing that. His flesh, his will, his way, you see. It would have made more sense to him, and that's why he would have decided... Well, surely he didn't mean tail. I'm going to grab it by the head. He would have been into the flesh. Self. Self-righteousness. Good intentions. Road to hell. Paved with them. Isn't <laughs> that what they say? I never found that in the Bible. But it does say that the narrow road that leads to life, only a few find it. Only a few. What else? It said that Moses, at first he started, he ran, didn't he? When it turned into a snake, it ran. He ran. I don't blame him. I I think I'd have ran too. God didn't say, hold your ground. So he ran. (laughs) 
No confidence in, in himself there. That's a good thing. But God said, grab it by the tail. I think when Moses was 40, he grabbed that snake by the head, didn't he? In, in, a, in a manner of speaking, he, this didn't happen when he was 40, but in a, in, a, in a manner of speaking, he did everything in the flesh. He did everything with good intentions. He thought was right. Everything added up as far as he was concerned. And he, he did it all wrong. He was full of pride. He was full of self. He was probably very impressed with himself. Not only am I one of these people that are oppressed, but I'm going to be their leader. And I'm strong. I've kicked some butt. I've been taught everything these other guys know. Lived in their house. <laughs> they treat me like I'm a prince. And I just, obviously I'm the one to do this job. You see? And that's pride. It doesn't seem like a bad thing. Awesome. He's willing to do it. He recognizes that it's his job, you see. And that's what all the people would be telling him probably. You see, oh yeah, of course. Wrong. God didn't say anything yet. And he screwed it all up. And he had to go for 40 more years. Some would say that he even prolonged the prophecy a little bit. If you do the math. Because he was so caught up in doing it his way. But when he was 80, he had gone to from, from a, a mighty warrior to a humble shepherd. And I believe there's a lot of, what do you call it? <laughs> there's a lot of meaning in there. And he was ready. He, he didn't want to do it. That's usually a good sign of a shepherd. <laughs> Those of us that want to be big time preachers and do all this stuff, it's just it's like banging your head against a wall. But by the, about the time you just go, well, I'm done with all this, uh, Lord, I don't, I don't want to do it. Okay, you're ready. You've been gutted and sewn and up and ridiculed and mocked and beat down and lost, humbled. Then you're ready. Relinquish control. I can't do it. Right. Now you're usable. Now you're usable because. And you're free. <laughs> and you're free. This is the. This is the freedom that is available to Christians and people just refuse to get it. Quit taking the credit for anything. Give it to God. It lightens your load for starters. You're so free. It's called entering into that rest. That's why we can buy shoes on Sunday if we want to. We can work on Sunday if we want to. We're free. Jesus is the Sabbath. He's the fulfillment of that. He is that Sabbath rest. That God has called us to. And now we just need to rest in Him. He said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy burdened. I'll give you rest. (laughs) 
There's a story in 2 Samuel, I think the 18th chapter, when, uh, remember when Absalom was, he's one of David's sons, he had rebelled against David, and David had a terrible time with uh, his, his family, his being a father. He made some terrible mistakes, and it, all those seeds came back. He reaped what he sowed. It was it was really ugly, and I felt bad for David because he really was someone who loved God, and he he loved his family. But he was waiting on a report of the battle that day. He wanted the news of Absalom. Was really all he cared about. He should have been wanting other things, but he, he all he really wanted to know is that, is Absalom okay? Because he he'd given instructions that he was not to be harmed and. His general killed him anyway, but at the end of the battle, there was one guy who was there and saw what had happened, and then there was another guy who was just like a runner there who was excited to run to the other camp of David and, and give a report, and he goes, let me run, let me go, and the, and the, and the, and the captain said, you, you will not go, and the reason was he didn't, he didn't know, he didn't have the report, he didn't know what was, he wasn't his report wasn't complete. He didn't know, have the information. He wasn't prepared to go and and tell the king the things he wanted to, to do, tell him. The other guy was. He had been there. He'd seen everything. He knew. And, and, he, and so the, the captain told him to go. And so he took off running. And the other one said, I want to go too. He goes, well, then run, you know, go. They both ran. The one who was unprepared beat the other one there. <laughs> and he got to David and all David cared about was, what about Absalom? Is he okay? And he, he said, I don't, I don't know. He said, get out of the way, you know. Give me this other guy who gave him the full report. There's, there's a, lot of, a lot of truth in there. There's a lot of, a lot of people who have a lot of zeal to run with the gospel, with the, with the message, but they're not prepared. They have not, they, they've not been given everything that they need yet. They need humility and discipleship so that God can prepare them and raise them up, get them out of them. Make them usable. That should be all of our prayer. God, make me usable. Instead of God, give me this and give me that. and God, make me usable. In a sense, we just have to lose all confidence in ourselves. Now, this is a slippery slope because you don't want to go around beating yourself up either. But just remember, apart from Him, we're nothing. We are never apart from Him. So we're strong. But we can boast only in our weakness. Because in our weakness, just like with Moses, that's when He's strong. When we stand up in strength and we feel, alright, I got this. Then you know what God does? He just waits. He just waits. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. He has to resist pride. Why? Because He said so. 
God is so good, so holy, that He holds Himself accountable to His own Word. That's the only reason Satan still has a run of this world for a time. Because God is true to His own Word. Does that make sense? Let's look at Romans 6. And we're almost done here. Romans 6, the third verse. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. How many of you have reckoned yourselves dead? For if we have been united with Him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. (coughs) So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. If it's telling you not to allow it, it means something has happened to give you the power and authority to keep it from happening. No more saying the devil made me do it. To make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin <coughs> will have no dominion over you since you, have no, since you are not under law but under grace. Praise be to God. <coughs> the grace of God has freed you from evil concupiscence. That overwhelming desire and lust for evil that we all once had. When you were born again, (coughs) Christ entered in and evicted that sin nature, that spirit of Satan, who had entered into the seed in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve agreed with Satan and gave up their dominion and authority. And for all those years, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, through their determinate counsel, they hold counsel with themselves. Awesome. Devise the most wonderful, (coughs) strategic, military, and political, and legal campaign 
that has ever been accomplished. And they thwarted the enemy's plans, upset his entire kingdom and all his plans. Took the keys of death, hell, and the grave and kicked the devil in the teeth. (coughs) Now you're free. Now you're free. What time is it? All right. Closing. And we'll start again next week. Thank you. First Thessalonians five twenty three. Say amen when you got it. All the T's are together in the back. Timothy, Titus, First, Second Thessalonians, all that right there together. Then they slip a little one-page letter Philemon in between that and Hebrews. First Thessalonians five. The 23rd verse. <clears throat> I, want to, I want you to look at something Paul said here. The Holy Spirit had him to write. How's that? God is the author of this book. How many of you know that? He used quite a few writers. 1 Thessalonians five twenty-three. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, put up a finger, spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. That's awesome. That's like an exclamation point times five. I just wanted to show you that scripture because that shows you that you are three-part being. Just like our triune God. Spirit, soul, and body. It's so imperative that you understand this because when I tell you how you're free now and how this spirit of Satan has been evicted and and now you're just like you have the mind of Christ and this and that so you don't go home and let the devil steal that from you when you leave because that's when he attempts to steal the word from those who don't have understanding those are the only ones that he can steal it from you read that in Matthew the parable of the seed the sower the four different types of soil the only one that the enemy is able to steal the word from, which is his goal at killing you, is always he's after the word, which is what can free you and save you and help you to help others do the same. <clears throat> when God saved you, he saved your spirit. You are a spirit with a soul in a body. I just want you to meditate on that and Pray about that and have God flip the lights on for you if he hasn't already regarding that. Because when you are born again, it's your spirit that's renewed. That spirit of iniquity is evicted. Your spirit is renewed and then sealed, perfected and sealed forever. Incorruptible. And in that spirit, 
you have the kingdom of God. The mind of Christ. All the peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control of God. All of the spiritual blessings, the promises of God, the yes and amen, the mountain-moving faith. It's in there. You cannot discern these things with your natural senses. Those are in your soulish realm. This spirit has a soul. God has a soul. That's your personality. Your mind, your will, emotions. I'm going to give you one more scripture and we're gone for today. But this is, I'm going to leave you with this because it's so, so awesome. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, the first two verses, because this is what we do about it, because we're perfected in our spirit. Our soul is being redeemed, is being renewed. Our mind, which is programmed with all the garbage of the world, all the lies of the devil and CNN (laughs) and the church. In many, in many occasions, unfortunately, we have to kill a lot of sacred cows. We're renewing our, our soul is coming into agreement with the spirit man. John verse four twenty four. don't go over there. It says, God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we're learning how to do that. Paul says, now you've been saved. Remember what I said about going into all the world, make converts? No. Yeah, it's good. You have to have that initial um, interaction with Jesus. Be saved. But then what? He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, based on everything good that God has done and provided for us, To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Reasonable service, it says in the King James. It's only reasonable that we could ask you to do this based on what he's done. Came down from heaven and made himself like us and endured such torment and ridicule and death. What can we do for him? Live for him. Look at this. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This is your soul. Your soulish realm he's talking about now. Now get it in agreement. Get it lined up with the spirit man who's been renewed. Find out who you are now in God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing... You may discern what is that will of God, the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, oh, God's ways are not our ways. And who knows? Oh, he 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 took old Johnny home because I guess he needed a 35 year old carpenter in heaven. 
he 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 needed to leave this uh, this young woman with her three young kids and all this debt behind because he's a good God and he's just mysterious. That's a lie. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's always been a liar. The father of lies. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. There's, there's, once, uh, there's one uh, of those sacred cows we can kill. That God is sovereign. Don't get me wrong. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He is, he is it. He's got all the power and authority. But remember what I said? He's, he's holy and he's true to his own word. And there's a partnership here, a relationship he's having with us. We have a part to play and we have to learn some things. We have to learn the ways and the wiles of the devil so that we know how to resist him. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, if you're the one that thinks God has put the sickness or the strife or the divorce or the other nonsense on your life to teach you a lesson, why would you resist him? It's the devil. And once you find out that, and you find out that all of your emotions are from God, but we're not supposed to be angry at our brothers, why do we have anger then? Because we're supposed to get mad at the devil. We're supposed to get mad at the devil. When we recognize how he's lied and deceived us, and put things on us that he had, was, was, had no authority to do, that we allowed him to do with our own words and our unbelief, then we can repent and kick his butt out of our lives and off of our bodies and out of our bank accounts and out of our marriage and out of our home and pray for all of those we're praying for to receive the same things that won't hear us. Just keep praying and work on the ones that do listen to you who want to know more about God. Amen. I love you guys. He loves you too, you know. God loves you. Jesus died for you. And now he's saying, "Listen, I died to give you so much. It's not it's not when you get home with me. Of course you're going to have it then. You can't even imagine how good it's going to be. But I've given you all of my power and authority for this life to undermine and to thwart the attacks of the devil." You can live the abundant life. He wants it for you. But it takes some trying. You have to learn these truths and apply them. And I'm convinced that you can become so full and aware of the truth of God. That you can't stand the lie anymore. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for protecting this precious seed in our hearts. Helping us to nurture it. Sending others to water it. So that it will grow up. Take root and bear fruit in our lives. And that we might help others to do the same. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing love and grace. We thank you for the peace that surpasses all understanding. We will not let our hearts be troubled or afraid. That's our part. And when we do that, just like you said in John 14, 27, 
Let not our hearts be troubled, neither afraid. Then we'll walk in that peace. We'll rest in your perfect love and blessing. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.